to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host from the city of Chicago, and joining us is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, the rarely seen triple yes. Also joining us, the director of Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer. Possibly, perhaps, maybe. The triple hedge, also very popular yeah. <laughs> with the East yeah. German judges. Joining us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. The thing is, is that Glenn's opening, it follows the heels of everybody in the world for the past six months just saying, no, no, <laughs> That's no. Right. That's right. You got you to be positive, y'all. I always say that. I always say that Glenn is the perfect vessel for delivering that message. <laughs> Well, we uh, we have a great show. We have some wonderful questions. But you know, speaking of things that people need, speaking of things that uh, you know, may bring people some joy and some comfort, we had some great feedback on the the last uh, episode's emergency, which was uh, something we dubbed "good old fashioned Christian nonsense." Mm. Mm. And to that point, we're going to declare another non twenty twenty related emergency. Oh, oh, yeah. it's an emergency. Now this one does have a little bit of a twenty twenty tinge. And that one is, some of these people have been in the house too long. And they're, <laughs> here's the thing about that, the, the, that social media machine. You, anything you type in there, it just goes on the internet. And people can see it. And I think... That we, sounds dangerous. Some, of, some folks have been inside long enough that that's, uh, that's really something that's... The power of that is lost to them. But this is also some good old-fashioned Christian nonsense. And it... Uh, it Wrote in, uh, the center of which is a person named Candace Cameron Burr, who you may recognize that name or not. You, if you're of a certain age, you probably recognize the name DJ Tanner. Yeah. Uh, was, she was on Full House, and she's you know grown because that show was on a long time ago. And she she put up a little post on Instagram celebrating uh, 24 years of marriage. Oh, that's nice. Good on her. And you think Christians like marriage? Christians follow her on the social media. You know, she's Kirk Cameron's sister. She's she is uh, pretty public about her faith. It's all nice, and she she poses for a little picture with her husband. And well, they, there's there's no way that this could be anything other than completely lovely, and I'm fully on board. Absolutely. What do you, it's got marriage. It's got yep. uh love and a long yeah. term. I mean, 24 years is certainly doesn't see that. Particularly if you're a Hollywood actress. Yeah, you know these people decry the short the shortness of the marriages. So this is this is a scene I can only describe as out of the Land's End catalog. Okay, because this is two <laughs> bless them extremely white people on on a wooden bridge in a field. Right. So I don't know why we needed a bridge, but it's just you know the bridge is probably made of shiplap. <laughs> if I had to guess, are, are they be sweatered? Uh, well, no, it is it is not the sweatering season. But uh, he is wearing uh, chino shorts and a uh, polo shirt, which is the sweater of the summer. Indeed yeah. it is. <laughs> Not to be confused with the summer sweater, which is something else. Yeah, it's a yeah. thing. That's a genetic condition that uh, some <laughs> people are afflicted with. Um, but so he, they're, they're posing, they're on the thing, and he's, he's reaching his hand around her shoulder and has his, his hand uh, cheekily rested upon her bosom, as the Old Testament writers would say. Oh. And again, I can't stress enough, and you can f- find the image for yourself on Instagram, if this literal picture was in the Land's End catalog and you were flipping through it, the response you would have is, that's a little spicier for them. Oh, non-iron chinos. Like, this is not yeah. an out-there image. Right. No, no. Yeah. And, fellas, 
Would would you care to take a bet on how the, the Christians reacted? Poorly. They just were supportive. Like, you know what? You guys just, you keeping the fire going and the passion and the, the love. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And why the heck not? Well, you know, Matt, there are a lot of verses in the Bible that would support their uh passion their activity and indeed the picture i mean that that book that's that book that christians love so much and so they you know know and are familiar with and and give the thumbs up to things that reinforce or underline the ideas of that book you know like the whole just this really the the celebration of of married sex that 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 the the scriptures really champions so i would i would guess that as a preacher's kid from the 1980s, I repeat, poorly. <laughs> yeah, so we've got, and if we're taking bets here, Glenn and Lee are kind of the guys who, you know, are the Bills going to win the Super Bowl this year? Of course not. But I put this bet down every time because I just want to entertain the possibility that something good might happen. And All Jed right. is the guy in the shiny suit who has run the numbers. He's <laughs> going on the analytics. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't respond well. Uh, some wonderful highlights, and this is this is, uh, is this compilation is from an Instagram uh, po- an Instagram account called Talk Purity to Me, who oh. discusses purity mm. things. And I think you're supposed to pronounce that a little faster. Yeah, that's one of the better um, one of the better uh, hair metal puns going on the. On the internet, I that song was by Poison. My mind went Motley Crue, and that's what that's what the people who are in Poison want you to think. They want you to think they were Motley Crue, <laughs> and we won't be giving in to any of that. But the first one compiled, and I'm going to have to censor this, believe it or not. Wow! In an amazing okay. point of irony, inappropriate. Period. Who cares if it's your husband of 24 years? Comma. No one gives a, and then goes just drops the full F word. Wow. Written out. Whoa. No, not with the Christian asterisks or anything. But here's the part I love about that. It says, why is it inappropriate? Because a lot of people follow this page who were children. They, they do? Apparently, the page you just commented on with the giant F-bomb. Because right. you're angry that she was putting something on this same page that children could see. Well, fellas, I definitely have a problem with putting that kind of language where children can read it. (laughs) So let's keep it clean out there, y'all. Think of the children. That's right. Won't someone... They probably never hear those words anywhere. (laughs) And it ends with the three-word sentence, fix your life. Oh, wow. And there's nothing more culturally American Christian then seeing two people who have been married for 24 years, having the tamest uh, expression of affection, and thinking, repent. Just fix all this. Look at wow. them with the joy. It's like they were saying, I really need to get this speck out of your eye, Candace Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> here's, here's one uh, from... I didn't even see this before. Uh, Instagram handle, sinners are okay. okay. As in the word sinners, the letter R, and then the letter's okay. So either sinners are okay or sinners rock, which is a oh. much cooler Instagram handle than this person uh, earns with yeah. their thing. 
I've been married 40 years and my husband would never, in quotes, handle me in public like that. <laughs> That's no. left for the bedroom slash home with no one around. I'm glad they specified with no one around. Because it would have been weird if they were like, that's for the home in the middle of a dinner party. Yeah, specify. <laughs> um, it doesn't surprise me considering you were on that TV show, which again is full house. Wow. Well, we, we would expect that from someone who consorts with Kimmy Gibbler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But here's the, here's, here's the big PS resistance and it brings up a, a rec- another one of our recurring say that characters over the years. Um, again, I want you to just imagine that this is something somebody decided they were going to type in the internet to a stranger um, and say, you know, all caps, that photo with your husband's hand on your breast is wrong. Someone typed that out, read it and said, that seems like a reasonable thing to say. I'm going to keep pushing gold. Yeah. You know, period. Your ego is clouding your judgment. And if you say it's okay, then you have double standards. <laughs> this has all been pretty weird. Here's the kicker. Ask Kirk what he thinks. Oh, <laughs> boy. Yeah. So I looked up. Well, uh, I'm sorry. Go for I, it. I need us to start right now printing what would Kirk Cameron do bracelets oh, right away. I, what would Kirk think I like a lot? Yeah, kind of in a 1984 obey poster kind of thing. What would Kirk yeah? The think? sad thing is the number of those you would actually actually sell. Yeah, both ironically and unironically, you wouldn't have to alter the the typography. That's but what right. I love about that, I looked up the uh, I looked up Miss Miss Mrs. Uh, Cameron Burr's age. She is, according to no less a source than Wikipedia, 44 years old. Imagine saying to a 44 year old woman. What would your older brother think about the way you carry on? <laughs> wow. Or, and I like to think this person doesn't know they're related and just types that on everything they don't like on, on Instagram. <laughs> what yes. would Kirk Cameron think of this? That's well, good. fellas, I got to Just uh, commenting uh, that on Kardashian posts. I have a technique I'd like to share with the internet. And here's some, something like sometimes I see something and I think, oh, that's, that's a little inappropriate. Uh, now, in my case, that has to be fairly extreme before that kicks in. <laughs> but sometimes I see something, I'm like, "That's a little in. It. That's a little. That's a little bit much." But then, you know what I do is I just move on with my life. Uh, I don't. I don't no. type it out anywhere. Glenn, I don't know what those words mean. Here's a related thing: if you can't help not commenting on somebody's anniversary post where they're celebrating 24 years of marriage, you can always use these two words, happy anniversary. Right. Lee, I don't know what those words mean. <laughs> How about these two words, unfollow button? Also, if you re- refer to parts of your body as a handle, that could be, <laughs> if you're saying your husband is wouldn't handle you, that's, uh, maybe that's another... Thing to look into. <laughs> I did like in these comments the the breadth of kind of generational being weirdly judgmental online because there was a lot of that kind of. Well, I'm not going to use the kind of language you people would use, and then there's just the dude with no one gives an f and just spelling it out. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Like there's a real cross section of uh, of weirdos going on here. Well, that the diction on that last one does make me think of Palpatine Jed 
And I just like the idea of of different Jed characters reading random internet con- like comments now. <laughs> it's like you just go down through a comment through a comment spray and just figure out which it's like a game. Which Jed does this comment fit? That is a wonderful and highly highly dangerous idea. Yeah, yeah. I like the idea of the the horror of Cambridge Jed being forced to consider what Kirk Cameron would think about things. <laughs> yeah. Just it would just be a lot of the the, the Cambridge Jed does a lot of like the the clearing of the throat and stuff like that. There would just be a lot of <laughs> quite, yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's like a mental trip to that very sceptered damp aisle. On that, I think Kirk would want us to declare emergency off. <laughs> well done. Yeah. I'm going to start using that to try to get out of things. You yeah, know, that's like, good. Like, we're, we're like, I, I don't think Kirk Cameron would approve of that. Sorry, I can't come <laughs> to the meeting. <laughs> just see if they call me on it. And that's, you know, that's how we do all those things. Just seeing, just seeing what we can get away with. Uh, one thing we're, we're very happy to get away with is, is Bridgebox. Mm. I didn't uh-huh. mean to describe it as some kind of con, but, hey, you know. Here we are. Here we are. You get uh, some good, encouraging stuff in your inbox the first of every month in exchange for only eight American dollars. You can head over to missionusa.com slash bridgebox. Check that out for yourself. We also, of course, have our bridge live cast every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Time over at facebook.com slash thebridgechicago. If you can't catch it live, they are all archived on the videos tab at that self-same page. Please do check it out. Join us. We're having a lot of fun. And uh, leave a comment. Get involved. We would love to interact with you on the Facebook and uh, please, uh, if someone listens to this and types at any point into the Bridge Live thing, what would Kurt Cameron think of that? Uh, we will send you some kind of free merchandise because <laughs> that's just that's just good callbacking. We're going to head on to our first question here. Hang us all the way to the end. I use some ways to get in touch with us, or you can scroll down into your episode description and click the links there. First question comes in anonymously and says, sometimes I backslide. Sometimes things in my life just fall apart. People tell me to get back up and keep going, but what does that really mean? How do I do that? And what's the difference between that and living in denial? And a very, very cool question. And Glenn, where would we kick this off? Well, you know, I want to kind of maybe start very big picture and let these guys kind of narrow narrow things down into more specifics. But I think too often we're not interrogating what we mean by backslide, what we mean by uh, you know, uh, mm. living a, a good life, living a bad life, you know, uh, all of these different kinds of things. I think we have ideas about those things, but they tend to be kind of amorphous and not very worked out. And uh, they sort of default to a list of do's and don'ts, which may or may not really line up with Scripture and definitely don't line up with the idea of righteousness. So we can talk about behaving, which is, you know, the do's and the don'ts and the, you know, list of uh, things that you want to be doing uh, right and things you don't want to be doing that are wrong. All those kind of things. That's that's behaving. And uh the the problem with focusing on behaving is it doesn't matter like at <laughs> all and nobody cares. So that's not that's not particularly important. If you misbehave a lot, a lot, it will mess up your life. And we don't want you to mess up your life. 
So it's important to have a certain amount of, of behaving, but it's not as if that ever really gets on the plus side. It's not like you can behave your way into your life just being utterly transformed and meaningful. Uh, behave, you know, following rules doesn't get you to that kind of place. Uh, what we're talking about when we're talking about God's idea of how we should behave, that's sin versus, versus righteousness. And that's a very simple definition, a very simple idea that probably isn't what you have in mind when you're thinking of backsliding all this other stuff. Uh, righteousness is the, the being exactly, precisely on the bullseye of what it is that God wants you to be doing right now today. Uh, sin is everything else. Uh, so let's ask this question. When you think of, am I behaving, am I not behaving, you might look at yourself and say, I'm behaving most of the time, and when I'm behaving, I'm behaving pretty good. So yay me. I'm probably about as close to as holy as you can get. But if we look at it in this idea of the bullseye versus everything else, and again, that's righteousness versus sin, uh, then we all have to look at ourselves and admit we're off of that path more than we're on it. Mm. If there's a a path of perfect, true, righteous uh, activity and thoughts and everything, we ask ourselves, how often are we on that? I mean, are you on it all day, every day, at any point? I mean, there's there's some, you might be in the ballpark and that may count for something, so that's good. You may be, you know, vaguely heading in the general right direction with a lot of messiness around it. That's okay. That That's a good place to start, and that's what my life looks like, so I have no right to judge you on that. But you and I both would have to admit that isn't the exact same thing as being right on top of what we need to be doing. We're we're off that perfect path. We're off of the bullseye more often than we're on it. So then when I introduce the idea of what does backsliding mean then, it doesn't seem to fit into that kind of dynamic. It, it, if you think of this as a path that you're trying to walk and you're tendencies to wander side to side on that a little bit and and not be always on it quite as well as you need to that's about trying to figure out how to do as little wandering and as little meandering as, and more of being on the path that's a very different mindset than what you're talking about you're talking about um d- being in denial is you're you're talking about being in denial but here's what you're in denial of you're in denial that you were born completely imperfect and that you're going to die that way. Mm. Uh, this side of, of uh, the, the grave, this side of, of heaven, you're not going to be perfect. You're not going to get close. If, you, if we compare your level of perfection to that of Jesus Christ, you are very near the very, very beginning of that journey of trying to be perfect. And you're not going to get there by the time you die. You're in denial about that, most likely, if, if this is the, the, the way that we're conceiving of these things. And it's, it's, that's a bad idea because here's the thing, is if you're born imperfect and you're going to die imperfect, we need to ask the question, what's it all about then? Mm. Uh, that's yep. really, really important because if you think this is a game that the Lord set up of who can behave the best, 
uh, you need to probably go back and and re reread the Gospels at the very least, and 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 refamiliarize yourself really with what's going on beyond just a cultural Christian understanding, and into a deeper understanding of. God's trying to have a relationship with you, and he's trying to give you a life that has meaning and purpose where you're helping people and lifting them up, and you you experience community within that, and you you make a ma- major difference, and you're on an adventure with that. That's what God wants for you, that all of this behaving, backsliding, woe is me, you know, all of that, that's just doesn't fit into the picture of what God really wants for you. That's a really, really strong place to start that out. Jed, I'd love you to pick us up here, because I, I wonder if one of the things that's going on here, as exactly as, as Glenn is saying, is that someone's thinking in, in terms of perfection, in terms of achievement, um, there might be kind of two conflicting thoughts here, one of which is, um, I should try to live a life where I just don't, to use their term, fall down that much. Yep. And then there's both reality and Christian doctrine will tell you that that's not really an option. So yeah. what are we left with in that case? It's a great question, man. We're really glad that that you wrote in. This is this is a great thing to be looking at. Um I agree with everything Glenn said and I'm right there with what Matt was just saying. Uh, the question is not will you fall down? Cuz you right. super will. Um we we all st- <laughs> Here's a, a thing I just made up. We all stumble in many ways. Wow. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care for it. <laughs> it's a little hippy dippy to me. Yeah, uh, you know. So you're you're gonna fall down. There, there's absolutely no question about that. I think the thing that may be the most important piece functionally that I very rarely hear people ponder and consider, and and it, certainly they have no emotion about it generally, is the question of will you learn anything? Mm, yeah. You're gonna fall down. On your next fall down, will you learn anything? Because I think for most of us, most of the time. A, we're not expecting that there would be anything to learn, and we have a sense that the reason we're falling down is because of generalized suckage on our parts, that we are just kind of bad and kind of naughty, and that's why we do the kind of bad and kind of naughty things, and the the best that I could really hope for next time is to just, like, just clench my teeth a little bit harder and just, you know, like, you know, just... It just just be a little more tense, and maybe that'll you know take it over the limit next time. Or earnest, Jay. yeah, yeah, exactly right. Just a little more earnest, and maybe you know maybe next time will be a little bit different. Well, that's a terrible idea. That's not going to work. You can you can be as earnest as you want. You can tense up as much as you want and grit your teeth. You're still going to fall down. If you really want to see over time a difference in outcomes. Well, then that boils down to learning something. Uh, in a human sense, that boils down to, to getting some, some knowledge and some perspective and some strategy. In a spiritual sense, that boils down to getting some wisdom, which really means to see things from God's perspective. Um, whatever your struggle is, and, and I don't know the specifics of your struggle, but whatever your struggle is, there are smarter ways to approach it. Um, that's not the same as an ironclad thing where you'll never you're, you'll never stumble again, you'll never struggle again. It's not the same thing. But there are smarter ways to approach that thing that make it a lot harder to knock you off your square and a lot harder to knock you down. And that should be the goal. 
Um, being invincible is not a good goal because there's no such thing as that. And you will just put yourself in inadvisable situations, believing you to be invincible, but you can get harder to take out. You can get harder to knock down, but that comes from wisdom and strategy and insight and learning and knowledge, which all takes us back to the question, will you learn anything Mm. from this? The number one enemy of learning, whether that's kind of the the worldly version of you know knowledge and strategy or the spiritual version of, of wisdom, the number one enemy of learning is shame. When we feel ashamed about what we've done, we want to not look at it. We want to not think about it. We want to move on as quickly as possible from even being aware that it happened and just getting onto a life where we pretend that we don't succumb to these kinds of things. And there's a few things we should note about shame. The the first is it is not in any way a virtue at all. It doesn't mm-hmm. come from God. Um, it uh, will not in any way produce good outcomes in your life. And the other thing is that it's kind of predicated on a lie. Um, it's kind of predicated on the idea that you are just this awful, terrible, no good person and that's why you did this awful, terrible, no good thing. That's, that's kind of what shame is built upon. And that's just not true. Um, if the devil has one skill, he's an excellent marketer. He knows how to take something that's not all that great, but package it in a way where, man, that sounds good. Man, I could really go for that. Mm. That sounds delicious. So If we can get rid of the shame, even if we can set it aside for a few minutes, we can start to learn, why was this thing so appealing to me? What about this got its hooks into me? Which helps us figure out a strategy moving forward. If you can do that, you can really, really begin to get places. But again, we've got to let that shame go so that we can start to answer the question, what can I learn from this? It's a really, really strong point. Um, there's a, a great quote from a very old movie called The Lion in Winter, where uh, two characters are talking and says, as if it matters how a man falls down. And it's, it's actually Anthony Hopkins' first um, movie role, but he says, when the fall is all that's left, it matters a great deal. Mm. Well said. Mm. Uh, but to, to lead to, to Jed's point there, I, th- I think about that when the fall is all there is, it matters. Because as he's saying, that shame, one of the things it, it does is it flattens everything out. Um, mm. you know, a friend talk, in the question talks about denial. But there's multiple kinds of dishonesty with yourself and denial. Some of it is downplaying, but some of it is blowing stuff out of proportion. Some of it is that's right. assuming you can never do better. So how do we deal with some honesty in this? I love this uh, question. Uh, and, and, and I love where all these guys have taken this so far. I want to I highlight one thing that Jed said as we get into this a little bit more. Um, he was talking about how the, the devil is a great marketer. And specifically, Jed said he can take something that's, you know, just really not that great and sell it to you like it's this amazing thing. Well, he also does the opposite. Uh, you are actually like the Lord's treasure. He yep. adores yep. you. Amen. I mean, he it, like there's a place in in uh, Psalm 139 where David, in pondering this and just kind of filled with the with the spirit of the Lord, says your thoughts about me outnumber the grains of sand on the planet. Like you, you're like, Lord, you think about me more than there are grains of sand. Like that's how many, like you love me. Um, And what the enemy of your soul would like to sell you uh, exactly to Jed's point is 
uh, you pretty much suck. Yep. And uh, you should be ashamed of yourself. And I can't believe that you fell down again. But one of the great things about the Lord is when you, is like he's outside of time. And so he's actually not um, surprised by any new information. There is no new information. All of time is a present now for the Lord, which means that before, in your kind of sense of time, before he ever started working in your life, um, he already knew everything you would ever do for your entire life. There's no, like, there's no moment where you're going to choose something and the Lord's going to say, wow, I really didn't see that coming. That really bums me out. That's not the way he works. The, the thing that's cool about that is that I don't have to buy that line of propaganda from, from the devil of, I suck and God's disappointed in me and he hates me. Um, the, the thing that's cool about that is, is that if we can get on that mindset, we can get to a place of honesty about who we are. You said in the question, um, what's the difference between, like, you know, uh, between, you know, people just telling me, just get back up and living in self-denial? Well, I think the difference is being willing to be honest about the fact that I fall down all of the time. I struggle plenty. It's, we're going back to exactly where Glenn started this whole thing out, which is while you are alive on this planet, you are not going to have this thing figured out. You're not going to have it sewn up. You're not going to learn all of the, you know, get all of the things done that you're supposed to get done or become, you know, perfect in any way. And when we can be honest about that, what that allows us to do is relax. And I think that's a huge key on this whole deal. One thing I can tell you is when I was reading through your question, I, I found some comfort in like, oh, wow. Um, sometimes I backslide. Sometimes things in my life fall apart. I'm like, hey, that, that looks familiar. Um, I'm not alone. I'm not the only person like that. I hope that you have people in your life who can tell you the same thing, which is in all honesty, yeah, uh, sometimes we all backslide. Sometimes we all let ourselves down. And sometimes stuff in our life just falls apart. And it feels that way, especially during the, the current crisis that we're living through. The more that we can relax about the truth of who we are, the more that we can be honest about it, then the more that our struggles and our backslides don't have to become something that tank us or take us out. We can pick ourselves back up. Um, and that doesn't mean like the get back up and get going doesn't mean like, and now I'll, I am henceforth going to be perfect and better than ever because I'm really, really determined this time. I really, really have my willpower kicked in this time. No, it's an honesty about, I have messed up. I'm going to mess up again. Some things in my life are going to go sideways, and I'm going to keep on going in the midst of that. There's a, I, I, do, I do quite a little bit of premarital counseling in, in my role as a pastor. And um, one of the things that we have lots of conver I have lots of conversations with uh with young engaged couples and we spend a lot of time on is conflict. And sometimes you get kind of that starry-eyed couple who's like, but I thought the goal was like we were never going to have any like marital conflict. I mean, uh, isn't a great couple the kind of couple that never fights about anything? And it's like, no, dude, the goal is not to never fight. The goal is to be really good at fighting. 
the goal is to be really good at um to get better and better at learning how to disagree and learning how to get some strategies in place for how we Amen. face these kinds of things. It, it's not, we're not going to get to the place where, oh, well, I'll know that we're a perfect couple and we just never disagree or argue anymore. That's not a reality. The reality that we want to live into is, in all honesty, we are going to disagree. We are going to have, we're going to butt heads about some stuff. We're going to have some conflict. What I want to do is I want to be honest about that so that we can talk about it as freely as possible and get as good as we can at doing that, at having those conflicts, at having those arguments, at having those disagreements. Honesty is the thing that turns all of this self-denial into something that's actually, uh, something that's actually livable and, and, and causes you to grow as you experience it. And that's what we need to do. We need to be relaxed about the idea that we're not perfect. We need to relax about the idea that God is absolutely in love with me and he knows who I'm going to be the whole time. And he is patient with me in that process. When I can be honest about all of those things together, then I can start to get the wisdom that these guys have talked about and some strategies for moving ahead. That's all really, really good stuff from all these guys. I really like uh, Lee comparing this to kind of uh, marital counseling stuff because um, marriage, obviously making a good marriage is an incredibly complicated thing, but at the, at the core of it is one very simple thing of, do you want to still be married? Because mm-hmm. if you if that decision is the first thing, then you, as Lee is saying, you you kind of figure out how to, how to make the other stuff work, and that really ties back to what uh, Jed and Glenn, the really good stuff they gave us about this situation. Because um, if you uh, can decide and just kind of make peace with the fact that getting back up is a good thing, which it is for the reasons outlined here, and that's all over the Bible that you know the righteous person falls down seven times, they get up seven times. Um, all this stuff about why and how will follow a lot easier than if you can push past that kind of that low momentum moment of kind of being on on the floor and deciding maybe I maybe I'm just a floor person now maybe I just live here and we'll make we'll make that work but if you do your best to stay in motion and move forward and have the things these guys are talking about with encouragement and and uh people around you that make that a thing that's going to put you in a very, very good position. Move on to our second question. Came in anonymously and says, How's a Christian supposed to handle temptation? Sometimes I feel like if I get tempted, it means I am weak to begin with. A strong person wouldn't ever give in to temptation. So if the temptation is working, it must mean my faith isn't strong. Right? And Jed, where would we start off with that? This is a great question, and it actually goes right in line with the things we were talking about on the last question. So one of the things where um, the Bible very strongly agrees actually with con men is the nature of temptation. So the Bible has a lot to say about temptation, and and James 1.14 is a, a really good example of that. But the takeaway from the verse is that it's pretty hard to tempt people if they don't already want the thing in question, mm. you kind of have to want mm. the thing in order to be tempted. And if you can dig it, that's exactly what professional con men would tell you is you can only really con somebody who's greedy. Um, if they're not really interested, it's pretty hard to con them. So, so we have this very interesting crossover uh, insight about how to go about tempting people. If we want to move forward with temptation again, 
the first thing that we need to do is we need for five minutes to set all the shame aside mm. um, because that's definitely massively going to cloud everything. If we can shut, if we can set the shame aside, here is the question that we need to ask. What do you think this thing will do for you? Don't worry about if you're wrong to want it or not. What do you think this thing will do for you? Whatever it is, big pile of money, sex, a different relationship, power, chewing somebody out. What, what would it do for you? And actually think that through. Think it all the way through. What would this thing do for you? And then ask yourself this question. Does it have that power? Mm. Does it have that ability? Right? So, you know, maybe you're being tempted towards, you know, just monetary greed. You just want a bunch, a bunch of money. You think, well, if I, if I had, you know, all this money, then I would, I'd feel more at ease about life. I'd, I'd feel more secure. All right. I can, I can, I can track. Ask the second question. Does that thing have that power? Mm. Does money have the power to make you feel secure and at ease? Because if we look around really at all, if we read the news, certainly if we read the Financial Times, uh, we can find almost infinite counterexamples. People who have enormous amounts of money and clearly are not happy, are not at ease, do not feel secure in any way. So you want money. It doesn't have that power. Now let's ask this question. Why do you believe it does? I mean, we, we haven't been thinking clearly about this, which is part of how we got this problem, but let's think clearly now. There's part of you that has up to this moment believed that money could make you feel peaceful and secure. Why do you believe that? What, what is driving that belief? It turns out that the belief is not grounded in reality. We see that now, but, but what has been driving that? Is that that we've um, – a, a, a concept that we've taken just from popular media – is that a reaction to the things that we've been through? Is was there a moment one time where your your grandpa said, you know, uh, a man's only as good as what he brings home, and you just you know that's stuck in your head forever, and you you never stop thinking about it? Where did this come from? Where did it come from that we believe this could happen? I think if you, what you'll find is that again, if we set aside the, the shame for five minutes. And we start thinking critically about what do I think this thing could actually do for me? Does it have that power? And if not, why did I believe that it did? Where is that coming from? I think that we're going to find that the temptation begins to lose a heck of a lot of its power Yes, sir. in that moment. Yeah. I mean, like a lot, a lot of its power. And one of the things I really want to encourage you to do that has been hugely important in my life, it, it, it sounds almost counterintuitive, but it's, man, it's made a difference for me, and, and I, I think it'll make a difference for you, is tell God about the things you're tempted by. Come on now. Tell God, and, and in this detail, here's what I want, and here's why I want it. If it would make you feel better, start by saying, oh, Lord, I know I'm wrong. I may not be sure where I'm wrong, but I know I am. That said, here's what I want, here's why I want it. And walk yeah. that through in your prayer life. I think that a few things will happen. A, I think you're going to get a lot of insights that are going to help a lot. I think you may also, in the stillness of prayer, hear the very still, small voice of the Lord saying, I totally understand. Mm. I totally get it. It makes, it makes total sense. And if you discover that this thing really can't do what you thought it could do, 
and that God is not judging on you and not rejecting you for it, then I think it puts you in a great place then to ask that most important follow-up questions, which is, Lord, what do you have for me instead of this? Mm. Because God's answer is almost never just no. Much of the time, his answer is not this, but let's talk about this other thing that I do have for you. And that's, I think, how we get to that. We love you. We believe in you. Keep your head up. Absolutely right. That's a wonderful, wonderful place to start that off. And Lee, where would we go from here? Well, we don't actually need to go anywhere. Uh, You could just rewind that and listen to it once again. But let's talk for a minute about terminology. Um, uh, And let's get real remedial on this because I think it's important. And, And to be perfectly honest... It's something that I had twisted most of my um most of my life. Um temptation is not the same thing as sin. We just need to lay that out. And those are two different things. What typically happens for a lot of people in in their thinking and this is a deal where like and and I even read it a little bit in the question. I'm not blaming you on that, not at all. I'm not pinning any judgment on that because it's exactly the way that I thought about this most of my entire life is if I'm tempted, then doesn't that show that I'm weak? Um, actually, it doesn't. One of the, one of the key examples you know, that, that proves that that's not the thing is that Jesus was tempted. Jesus, who was and is almighty God and completely human at the exact same time. The the incarnate God was tempted by the devil. In fact, the book of Hebrews says that Jesus was tempted in every way. Now, it will really mess with your brain to think about that. Like, like put your phone on, on silent and just think about that for a few minutes. What in the world does that mean that Jesus was tempted in every way? Like every temptation I've ever felt, he knows what that feels like. One, that's really cool that I'm not alone in that and that Jesus actually knows what temptation feels like. But it's an important thing to say because we do have this tendency to feel like if I've been tempted, then that means I'm weak. No, that actually doesn't, those aren't the same thing because as we were saying, Jesus himself was tempted. Temptation is not the same thing as sin. Now, that's an important thing for us to realize because that doesn't mean your faith is weak. That means temptation is a thing that, that, that hits everybody. Those who are weak in faith, those who have uh, incredibly strong faith, those who have perfect faith like Jesus did. But where we go from that is, is to this place. It doesn't necessarily mean that your faith is weak, that you're tempted. If temptation is giving way to sin, what we may need to do is we may need to look at the idea that not that your faith is weak, but that your strategies might need some tuning up. And this is a thing that I was never taught growing up. (laughs) Nobody ever said, so what's your strategy on handling that temptation? Nobody ever said that. They just made me feel bad for being tempted. One thing that I loved about Jed's answer is the idea that I could that I could bring into my prayer life the type of conversation where I can talk to the Lord about what is tempting me and that he would just be willing to have that conversation. Dude, if, if I could have, if I could get Jed right now to time travel back to my 14 year old self and just have that conversation with me, that would be so helpful because 14 year old Lee basically felt like if you have a temptation 
If you were to talk to God about that, he would banish thee. Be banished! <laughs> oh, sinner, how could you be tempted? Now, what's actually going on is that everyone is tempted. Everyone is tempted a, a, a ton, even Jesus himself. And the real question is, how do we cope with that? What do we do? One thing that you've heard these other brothers say on this show, if you've been listening to the show for a long time, is no matter who you are, and no matter how many times you've beaten it, and no matter how, how many times you have had a victory in any area of temptation, if you surround yourself with certain, like to a certain point of a threshold of temptation, you will give in. That's going to happen. And so what we've got to look at is how do we set up the type of situation so that we can handle a temptation and not give in to it? We've got, to, we've got to get some good strategies in place so that we can get some victories under our belt. So again, I don't think we necessarily we need to look at whether or not your faith is weak or strong. I don't even know what the metric is on that. I don't know what, like, what do you have to like faith parts per million. I really don't know how anybody <laughs> figures anything like that out. But what we may need to look at is what are your strategies? What is the problem? What do we need to do to fix it? I'll tell you this. We on this show love specificity. We love follow-ups. We'd love to walk with you through this thing, whatever it is. We, all, all four of us, have a have a, a ton of experience discipling folks and walking them through temptation type of things and and getting some getting some growth and victory. So we'd love to help you do that. I think, though, that the faith is not the issue. What we're looking at is we need to do some tuning up in strategy. It's a Amen. really, really great point. And Glenn, I love what Elise saying there about metrics, because um, metrics obviously is not the way to go. Um, I, jewels, I want to say. Jewels might be the way we do faith. Um, <laughs> just throwing that out there. I still, I took physics. I still don't really know what jewels are, so I'm trying to make them, trying to assign them to something. <laughs> you know, but right. if metrics aren't what we need, but goals are very good because yeah. uh, you do need some way to gauge progress and success and um, that kind of stuff, or you'll just kind of lose your mind a little bit, right? For sure, yeah. I mean, uh, I think it, the 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 problem with having a lack of uh, sense of goals is you sort of default to sort of uh, assumptions. Uh, you default to sort of doing what everybody else is doing, and I, I think that that always leads to misery, uh, generally speaking. I think most people are, are, are trying to minimize as much wrongdoing as possible so that they won't be embarrassed in front of other Christians. <laughs> and... Uh, dude, that sucks so bad. Don't do that. That there's no joy down that road. And let's put a contrast to that. So, um, uh, as people listen to the podcast are, are familiar, we, uh, you know, uh, pre-COVID had a, a weekly service that we would do every Tuesday night. These are people coming out of uh, residential drug rehabs, uh, coming off the streets, coming out of jail. And then we're bringing in uh, three different pastors from three different churches. They rotate around uh, churches all over the city, uh, but they they come through and preach and invite people to their church. So we have also a host team that greets people at the door and serves a meal for everyone afterwards. Uh, the host team this particular night was a suburban church uh, here in Chicago, and there was a guy who wanted really wanted to come and serve, 
it, but he was coming directly from work. And so uh, he had his suit on. He'd kind of take, taken his tie off and stuck it in his pocket, kind of tried to dress down as much as he could because nobody else is dressed up at the bridge. And a guy uh, walks in uh, from one of these uh, rehabs and says, um, uh, you know, uh, the the the, uh, the volunteer says, how's it going? And, and the guy from the rehab says, well, you know, I'm just taking it one day at a time, which, you know, is sort of code if you're a 12-step person for I'm, I'm working a, a recovery from drug addiction. And the businessman in the suit says, I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm, I've been clean and sober for this many uh, years, months, and days, and uh, I'm taking it one day at a time, too. And so, you know, they shook hands, and then they went over and sat down and started talking about all of their experiences. These two people, first of all, bonded in a way that you couldn't imagine a bond. What would these two people even have in common? Second of all, they're doing, they're getting to what Lee and Jed were talking about by sharing their stories with one another. They're getting that sense of strategy. They're getting mm. that sense of perspective. They're, they're gaining that knowledge and that insight. And they're, they're, you know, I don't know if you have this experience, but I can do something. And it seems like, yeah, that was that was not good, but on another level, it kind of made sense because of the situation, man. But then yeah. I could see somebody else do it. I'm like, dang, that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because when it's you, it seems reasonable. You because you got the temptation is is working on you. When it's somebody else, you're like. Dude, you can't do that, man. That's like that's not smart. <laughs> so you know you you could see it so much clearer when you see it through somebody else's experience, and then you can say, "Well, look, I'm doing the same thing." If if it sounds dumb when this person is is talking about what they've gone through, it, it that just means I'm making dumb decisions here, and I'm smarter than that, and I'm better than that. I can I can get turn this thing around. Uh, that's what happens when you don't try and climb up on that pedestal that's the main Amen. problem in your life right now do not look if, if you're struggling with temptation if you feel like you're Im, an imperfect person who's just trying his hardest to get it together and all that forget about climbing up on a pedestal that that's the best advice i can give you stay down here with your feet on the ground with everybody else and the, we, you know you can sit with uh, me and these brothers who uh, or dealing with uh, recovery from drug addiction. We all get along. We all have a good time. We all relate to each other. We can all, you know, finish each other's sentences and talk about our problems. Final point on all this is I think in terms of goal, if you, in terms of having goals, if you look at, I'm going to try and reduce as much bad stuff and that will make me a good Christian. What you get is just um, nothing, you know. You, you, if you do no bad things and no good things, that's just nothing. They're just you're you're <laughs> you're a blob of nothingness. That's not a goal. You don't want that. Uh, it's about focusing on the good that God wants for you uh, to be uh, receiving and the good that He wants you to be giving and and doing for others. Uh, it's about finding out what is good. What what is this mercy thing all about? What is this grace thing all about? What wh- how can I be patient? And what does patience do in my life? What does forgiveness do when I really accept it and when I really give it to somebody else? 
now your Christian life is taking off. Amen. And now you're going to be dealing with temptation in a whole different way, on a whole different level, as opposed to just trying to mess up the least. That's all excellent, excellent stuff from all these guys. We're going to move on to our final question, which comes in anonymously and says, I started seeing this guy. He says he's Christian, and he describes himself as spiritual but not religious. He's been in town for almost a year and does not go to church yet. He says he'll start again after the pandemic is over. I'm not sure how I feel about that approach, but don't want to come across as harsh or judgmental. I told him about possibilities like church online and other safe options, but he shuts down the discussion very quickly. I don't want to twist his arm and make him do something against his will, but realizing that church isn't important to him is hard for me to accept in a dating relationship. I've dated guys before that were very fine with being Christian, but didn't see the need to belong to a body of believers. It left me in a vulnerable spot because when it came to difficult discussions about tithing, sex before marriage, etc., they seemed to value their individual desires instead of the ones usually supported in the church. Am I being too judgmental and scared for the worst, or should I give this man a chance? Thanks for your help. Thank you for your question. And Lee, uh, as you mentioned, uh, and have mentioned before, you do a lot of uh, talking with premarital counseling. This is a uh, Another thing you have a lot of experience with, which is the pre 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 marital counseling, uh, <laughs> many stages back. But where where would we start off with this? I got I got a lot of different vantage points uh, with which to look at this question. One is, yes, as a pastor who's officiated a lot of uh, weddings and talked to a lot of young dating couples and talked to a lot of folks uh, about marriage who are getting married and all of that. But also, I am a father of daughters. And so I have a whole different vantage point <laughs> with which to look at this, and and uh, and and the and the dad of a son, and and so I, you know, with my own kids, I I've been thinking about this question from all those different vantage points, and when I think about my own kids, um, you know, the one thing that I want them to be when it comes to the person that they want to that they want to have a serious relationship with, I want them to be as greedy and as selfish as they possibly can be. Yeah. I want them to shoot for the absolute moon. I think they're worth it. I think they deserve it. I think they should they should have uh the you know the kind of person I want to be with and I don't think that they should negotiate on any of those terms. I think that they should uh demand the best. And I think my kids are worth the best. And I hope that you feel that way about yourself when you look in the mirror. Um, I, I don't know, but one thing that I, that makes me sad is, is, uh, when people will kind of dip down and settle because they feel like I don't want to be alone. So I'd rather settle for this situation, this, which is less than what I want, uh, for myself. Um, you sound to me like a person who knows what you want. Um, you sound like a person who knows the kind of person that you want to be with, the kind of, the kind of, uh, faith that you want to see exercise, the kind of walk with Jesus that you want to see in the person that you want to spend your life with. And if you know that's not in this situation, uh, you know, it's not a judgmental thing for you to say, you're not what I'm looking for. Um, that's, that's what we don't want to do is we don't want to be less greedy than we should. And, uh, this is by the way, greed in a very good way. Uh, we don't want to be less greedy than we should about a very important decision. We don't want to sell ourselves short. We, and we don't want to, to allow ourselves to do that by calling um, a very, 
you know, appropriate kind of thinking, judgmental, uh, a judgmental attitude. Um, there's a lot of judging that's going on in our society all the time right now. This is not the same thing. I'm not saying that I'm not making a call on this person's walk with the Lord at all, if they have one or or what it's like or anything like that. But what I am highlighting here is that you sound like a person who knows what they want as far as uh, the person I want to be with and the kind of walk with the Lord that we would share, the kind of conversations that we would be able to have, the depth and the agreement that we would be able to have. Matt brings up the premarital counseling again, and, and I can tell you that a big part of those conversations is that uh, folks that are engaged need to be able to uh, have conversations about things like money, sex, uh, children, um, uh, you know, the kind of place where we want to live, pets, all that kind of stuff. They need to be able to have those conversations and not be wildly different about those things. They need to be able to have those conversations and feel pretty aligned on um, on where those things lie. And if you know that you're not, it's not it's it's not wrong of you or judgmental of you to say this is not the relationship that I'm looking for. And we wouldn't want you to lower standards or anything like that out of a out of a sense of fear. But definitely not, let's not use judgment as as the thing here because this is not the same thing as a judgmental attitude. And I can tell you that. Uh, what what we all want for you is for you to have just uh, for you to be in a relationship with a person where you wake up every day feeling like i have hit the jackpot and that person wakes up every day and feels like i have hit the jackpot we want that for you i know that god wants that for you and so we want you to to move in that direction that is absolutely right i think we really got all over that and Glenn, I'd love to to get you to pick us up here and maybe dig into more. I think Glenn's giving us uh, Lee's giving us a lot of good stuff here with the the idea of judgment, and we know it's bad. We're glad that you have internalized that listening to the show. However, um, there does come a point where decisions must be made, and not every decision is a judgment. Well, that's absolutely right. I, I agree a hundred percent with what Lee is saying. You know, you should have that sense of agency. You should have that sense of control over your life that that you should be able to make decisions and not uh, uh, question those as being inherently wrong if they happen to fall in in a negative assessment of something that you're looking at i think that's that's completely legit i think part of what may be hanging you up in all of this is that you recognize that you kind of can't really really totally write a script for what your future spouse will be like. It yeah. doesn't yeah. quite work that way. And so you say, well, I accept that I will meet somebody who will be not quite what I was expecting. And maybe, you know, that means I will, no matter what, have to compromise somewhat on, on those things. And the thing about that is it's, it's almost true, but not quite. Mm. Uh, first of all, uh, some of us have met uh, spouses that were way better oh than what gosh. we scripted. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it, it's yes. it's not like it always has to uh, compromise in the negative in the direction. downward direction. That's <laughs> yeah. right. So some of us are like, "Oh, I'm going to have to become a much better person here." <laughs> you know, it's just, you know I got a lot of work to do here. You know. 
so that's that's that that was the unexpected part of uh, of that uh, kind of relationship. Uh, but I think also um, there are things that you maybe you thought you wouldn't like in a person, and then you know you find something about that that you do like, and things like that, things that are taste related. You know, if you say so I don't want to go out with a person who's a jock and you meet somebody who's a jock and then you kind of get into the sports that he's watching and you say, well, that's, you know, I like this now. And that's, you, you mm-hmm. give yourself permission to, to, um, uh, change your mind about things and be open-minded about it and all of that. All that stuff is good. All of that stuff is fine. But when we try to apply that and say, I shouldn't have a preference, mm for what I want, that's not okay. You deserve to have preferences. You you deserve to have things uh, that you would like to see. You also definitely, as Lee is pointing out, deserve to have things that are absolute deal breakers for you. And whatever those things are, I, I it's worth looking at those things, yes, and, and, and interrogating them. But, uh, I, you know, the idea of just having them is not bad. Um, so I, I think we're we're putting too harsh a language really on uh you just having preference and the final point i want to make on this and i think this is the the real problem here is if you look at things that are fairly surface level you know if you say i you know this person is a not very neat and i'm a neat person and so i don't know but maybe I'm being judgmental. I shouldn't judge him. You know, he's, uh, he is, doesn't mean I'm a better person because I'm neat and he's messy. So, you know, I'm going to, I need to be open-minded about that. Okay. The problem with that is there are much deeper issues that we're not looking at while we're contemplating some of these things that are more surface level and doing a lot of hand wringing of, should, should I be allowed to dislike this or, or not? Uh, in this case, you know, this is a guy who's not going to church and doesn't appear to be interested in it. Okay. Uh, there might be a deeper issue of, um, he's struggling with his faith and we're not talking about it. That would Mm. be great to know. Yeah. There may be a deeper issue of, he sees a lot of hypocrisy in the church and he may have a point and we may need to address Mm. that. He might be, um, totally completely faking you out and has no interest in church stuff. He's just telling you what you want to hear. Uh, he might be, sort of um vaguely spiritual but doesn't want to be part of a institutional church something and that's just how he wants to do that okay uh but you could be looking at those things from a hundred different angles but is this a good person is, is this is this a person you can get along with are, are these deeper issues being looked at while we're looking at some of these more more surface level kinds of things I think give yourself permission to be picky. Give yourself permission to be greedy. Don't judge yourself for uh, having preferences and things that you really care about. Recognize that um, if there's a part of you that knows deep down that this just isn't a good fit, tap into that, recognize that, give yourself permission to go with it. Mm. That's I totally agree with that. That's all excellent stuff. And Jed, where would we close this discussion out? Well, you've heard a lot of great stuff, and I certainly want to back up everything that's already been said. Um, maybe let's take just a, a slightly different lens, and it's really the same stuff, but I think it's worth looking at from a, a slightly different angle. 
which is the concept that you've heard us describe on the show before of core values. And that is um, every person, regardless of religious affiliation, has things that at the end of the day they really care about. These are the things that really matter to me in life. And that most of the time, it's probably not a great idea to long-term anyway, pursue a relationship where there is a significant mismatch in core values. Um, and again, right. we, we can, for purposes, you're concerned about being judgmental. So we can kind of set aside all concerns that we're just talking about. Um, if there's a huge mismatch in core values, it probably wouldn't be great for you and it probably wouldn't be great for them either. It may just kind of be a, a recipe for a bit of unhappiness. So an example that we looked at the show before is a good example is there are some people who just deepen their bones. They just have the wanderlust, man. They they want to see the world. They want to go to the places. They they want to have the the adventures. And adventure is out there, man. That's what I want to do. I want to go and I want to I want to see all the sights and do all the things. Then you have other people who are I want to be where it is warm and comfortable and familiar, which is also called home. Right. There's a reason people like home. That's why they call it that. It's great. Now, um, I think it'd be easy to think of that as a preference, but I, I think that people tend sometimes get strong enough kind of feelings about that, that that starts to cross over into the realm of core values. But it's it's a good example for us here because one is not right and one is not wrong. It is not morally yeah. right to be a homebody. It is not morally wrong to want to travel. But these are two very different views of the world that don't really have a lot of overlap to them. And if it's something that in your heart of hearts really matters to you, I think it's worth looking at, again, in the long term, does it make sense to be in a relationship with someone where there's a huge mismatch on this stuff that you really, really care about? So the thing, with all that said, the thing that I would encourage you to look at here is, it sounds like you suspect that in matters of faith, your core values don't align. I don't know that I would necessarily assume that, but it, but we are suspecting that. Where do your core values align? Mm. Are there places that you see where, yes, we are on the same page? Maybe that's generosity to people in need. Maybe that's kindness. Maybe that's encouraging one another and, and the people in our lives. I don't know. But are there places where your core values align? Are there any at all? And if there are, what is it worth to you to have a person where there's real overlap with your core values? I think if you've got someone where there really is no overlap of any kind with any of your core values, um, you can do whatever you want, but that's probably not a great prospect for a long-term dating relationship. Um, but uh, if, there, if there's some overlap, I think it's worth thinking through what is that worth to you? The other thing that I want to encourage you towards that, that these brothers have already pointed to is the value of communication. If you hope to have a healthy relationship in the short, medium, or long term, you need to get in the habit of talking about everything. Mm -hmm. Everything, everything, everything. And in this case, um, you've said that when you – he doesn't go to church, and when you bring it up, he kind of immediately changes the subject. That doesn't sound to me like the activity of someone who just, eh, I'm not really in a church. That sounds to me like someone who has had a bad experience, right. someone who has feelings that may be extremely justified, 
that has concerns, we should be talking about that. If we're in, if, if put it this way, if you're past the first you know couple of dates and you go out for dinner and you say, you know what we haven't had, we should have calamari. And the person flips the table over and runs out of the room. The right <laughs> response is not to say, oh, I guess I don't like calamari. The right response <laughs> is, is to say, oh, is sit him down and say, sweetie, uh, we, we need to talk about the calamari. What's what, how do we get here? What's going? No judgment. It's a judgment free zone, but what? I need to know the backstory on the calamari. And that, I think, may be where we're at with the church stuff. Yeah, maybe it's just purely say, ah, I don't like it, I don't want to do it. But I think there's every chance that there's more to it than that. And again, whether it's this relationship or another one, if you want a healthy relationship, you need to get in the habit of talking through everything. That's right. And to bring the two ideas together of, of, of talking and core values, it's very hard to know where your core values line or where they don't if you're not talking things through. Um, and that is not stuff that you should guess at because it really matters. You should talk it all the way through. Talk till you're exhausted. That's the right way to do it. And then make some decisions from there. Amen. My father's ship was destroyed by a squid and I just won't have calamari in my sight. I can't stand <laughs> the memories. Uh, that's all great stuff from all these guys. I love, I love Jed's point there about, about core values. And one of the things that it's, it's not the main thing. So I'll say everything, but I picked, picked up your question here as I was reading it. And we answered this in the blog as well. Is um, one of the things about your core values is you have to know what your core values are. Yeah. Oh, um, you say, and there's nothing really wrong with this, but the language of it would concern me a little bit if we were sitting down talking about this. Say, you know, there are times when they're when I've been with a partner and they put what they want over what the church supports. That's not the same as you having an opinion about a core value for your life. Yep. Um, yeah. it's great if you, if you go to church, you get a lot out of that. Obviously we encourage that. Um, one of us church pastors, the other three work for ministry about plugging people into churches, but a church body is not an outsourcing for your core values and sense of self and opinions on things. The point of, you know, we've talked about premarital counseling, this, this show a lot. The point of that is not for you and your uh, fiance to sit down with Lee and him tell you the right opinion to have about a thing. Um, it's you have to know what you think and you have to know what this other person thinks. Mm -hmm. And that's how we get to some common ground. So of the, of the many things that are happening here in this question, one of the thing is to apply what these guys are talking about with the core values and knowing what you want and making your own judgments. You do have to own some of your own opinions and decisions on this stuff. That's a very, very important part of such things. All right. If you have a question for us at podcast at gmail.com or the British Chicago.tumblr.com Taylor song this week, a friend of the show, Eric Peters has right. released his hymns project. Earth has no sorrow. That started out as a, a, a fun little collaboration, a little program called the bridge podcast uh -huh. uh, between Jed Brewer and brother Eric. So we're going to tell you the song uh, from that podcast. He recorded for us many years. It's a hymn, a version of which, is on his new record. You can find it at ericpeters.net. This is Eric's version of Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. Check out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast, reminding Christians once again that once you get married, it's no holds barred. Gentlemen, start your engines. Let the games begin. Release the Kraken. 80% <laughs> off all leather pumps at Nordstrom's. <laughs> joyful, joyful, we
Man to man.